Welcome to season 12. We have a mission here at Focus on Women to elevate and empower female identifying creatives in the commercial photography industry. And how do we do that? By sharing stories. We have stylists and photographers, artist reps, and more. So come along and listen in to these fantastic women doing fantastic things in the photography industry. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy with Focus on Women, and we are here today with Rebecca Shalloway. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Rebecca kindly attended our most recent happy hour in New York in person, um, which is how we got connected. And we're super excited for her to share her story with you. Um, She is currently leading a team of creatives over there at Bed Bath & Beyond. And we're excited to hear how she got into that role, where, where you started, where are you originally from? Are you a New Yorker? So let's just dive in and welcome Rebecca. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, to just jump in, I was born and raised in Florida, South Florida. And um, as a lot of creatives share, you know, growing up, there probably was always a little creative curiosity growing up. But I, in hindsight, now looking back as a graphic designer, my artistic curiosities were really in making sketchbooks and filling those up with um, collages and like copying and pasting and um, gluing, cutting out stuff from magazines and playing with like text and photography. So I've always had a curiosity of like playing with different shapes. And so my background, actually, I went to a um, a magnet arts high school and middle school. It was a public school, but you had to focus on a major and mine was fine arts and I studied painting and drawing. So I really had like a more classical fine arts background. Um, didn't really, wasn't really aware of graphic design as a field of study growing up. I always thought I was going to be a fine artist or even just a painter. And then, so I studied that in middle school and high school was a kind of a unique high school experience. Once I graduated, I was really torn between going to an arts, continuing like my arts education or going to um, more like liberal arts college. I ended up going to the University of Florida just because I wasn't sure I had a lot of other curiosities, like maybe I would go into business or um, international studies or philosophy. Like I just had so much curiosity and So I decided on going to the University of Florida and started as a fine arts major, as a painting major there. And then um, after a year, I um, discovered the field of graphic design. There was a a major, a two-year degree program, and you had to submit a portfolio to get into this graphic design program. I had zero graphic design experience, but I had a lot of paintings and art, fine artwork, and I created a portfolio using those paintings that I had created into catalogs and brochures um, and web banners and taking all the art that I had created, like the fine art and translating it into like graphic design portfolio. So um, I got in, it was the best opportunity ever. And it was a great fit because knowing my personality, I'm a very collaborative person. And also I'm really passionate about like solving problems. So that allowed me to get those two pieces of my personality out, I guess, in graphic design more so than I did in fine arts. So um, I studied graphic design and then 
had an internship. Well, we'll probably get into this later, but I was an intern um, at Target for graphic design and art direction. And then upon graduation, I was hired full-time to work there. Then I was there for three and a half years, almost four years as a graphic designer and art director. And then um, I was approached by Bed Bath & Beyond to lead a seasonal campaign team that they were building. And it was the perfect opportunity for what I was looking for at the time. And that's where I am now. It's been about a year and a half um, at Bed Bath & Beyond and moved to New York. And here I am. Wow. Okay. So just to go back a little bit, the graphic design program that you were at, that was in Florida, right? Right. And then the Target internship, was that there also in Florida or was that actually in Minneapolis? No. So this is a funny story. I didn't know. I was always a fan of the Target brand. And this is my junior year in college. I wanted to, I wanted to work there. I had no idea there, there were no actual public positions open. However, I did know that they did have an internship program because a friend of mine had done a business internship in the merchandising pyramid. So it was a completely different field. And I had asked her, I was like, do you remember if there were any intern, creative interns there? Like, do they have a creative internship program or a design program? And she was like, no, I'm not sure. But, and I was like, well, maybe could you give me an HR contact that I can just email? So um, I went ahead, she gave me the contact for somebody random at Target. I just needed an email, a contact, and I just sent my portfolio, introduced myself. If you have any, um, you know, design positions open, I would be a great fit. I'm really passionate, da, 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 da. So that's kind of how I discovered, and, and it clearly worked out. They, I was the creative, uh, the design intern for that summer, and they traditionally had like a program, but they, I think that year they were not planning on doing it because I had reached out. Um, they had it. So yeah, it's funny. Like you just need to shoot your shot sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so for that, I moved to Minneapolis for the summer, which is where their headquarters are in Minnesota and selling um, Minnesota to a Florida girl in the summer. I mean, I thought it was beautiful, beautiful weather, but it's definitely different animal in the winter. So yes, very different in the winter. And talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, that trajectory of leaving your home base, you know, and going somewhere new. And once you got through the internship, you know, was it sort of an automatic, we love you, we're going to keep you on board thing? Yeah, they offered a full time role at the end of summer. So when I, um, it was my senior year in college, I had, um, you know, a full time role lined up, which was great. And I moved, so when I graduated, I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota from being born and raised in Florida my whole life. Um, I only knew some of the coworkers that I was working with at the time. So I'm not gonna lie, it was a really hard decision leaving my family, my friends, um, just moving to um, so, somewhere where I didn't even, ha- I didn't know a single person like my age, but it was the best decision I made because the culture too, allowed me to have a, a, a really good community when I was there. So yeah, and I drank the Kool-Aid. I still do drink the Kool-Aid, but <laughs> yeah, it definitely has a really great experience because a lot of people are really talented and I just learned so much and I absorbed it all. That was like my social community was work. 
And that's how I made some of my best friends too. And you realize like, I think as creatives, we all identify our role. Like as a creative, you kind of think of it as your sense of identity too. Like there's a sense of pride in what you do. And so it's really important to make friendships, not just like network, because I think everybody has a personal connection to what they do. So for that, I have made some of like my best friends there, but I definitely took advantage of just all the opportunity being so young. And I like, if there was a project that I heard about, I was like, can I shadow? Can I, you know, sit in on a shoot for a commercial? Can I follow you around? Can I help out with this project? I think one of the things that I learned is people will say yes, as long as you're not a burden. So make people's lives easier, you know, offer to help. And in exchange, I was able to learn um, a lot and just sit in and shadow and just connect with people. And that like the mentors, as you mentioned earlier, are huge for me. Like I have a lot and um, they definitely trusted me to, you know, to go and represent you know, my team or to trust me enough to be able to do that. So, well, and what a great opportunity. I mean, that company has so many different platforms, right? And so many different divisions. Can you talk a little bit about those different divisions and the different types of content that's being produced um, within that company? It's huge. Yeah. So when I started, I was on the weekly ad team. So the printed circular that goes nationwide, um, it's no longer a team anymore. It's now the digital weekly ad. But so I was folk, I was working as a designer. So I would design the pages and then I would art direct the photography needed for the pages. So you, it was kind of a hybrid role. I feel like a lot of places you're focused on one or the other. You don't do both, but it was a great opportunity because I had a graphic design background, but I was also able to art direct and learn art direction for products. So there was, we had category specific division. So fashion and beauty was one division. You have food and grocery, a separate division, and then hard lines. So that would be your tech, toys. I was able to work on all different categories when I was there. I, th- I think I started as hard lines, moved to style for a bit, and then did some home piece. So I really was just like, let me try it all because I'm here and where else can I try it? So yeah, I did a lot. (laughs) And then I ultimately wanted to be, or wanted to like elevate what I was doing and work on some other different types of projects. And um, my managers were both super supportive and Heike and Samantha Jimenez, who are still there, I believe. They supported me in working on leading seasonal campaigns, which is like a lead art director role. Um, I was able to work on like holiday, back to college, camp and pool. So that's out the door door campaign, all of those like seasonal moments. And that was probably where I felt most fulfilled because it was kind of coming up with an idea, coming up with a problem. I'm sorry, coming up with a solution to the problem um, at hand, you know, taking a brief, coming up with a look and feel, um, and then being able to execute and produce those assets and build a team to create that work. So, and then I also worked a little bit on some UI UX stuff. I had a little bit of a curiosity for, um, yeah, the UI and UX industry and then um, worked on making the digital weekly ad. So transforming the 
print weekly ad into the app, the Target app. So I worked with um, different designers, but I think my truest like passion and um, the thing that I feel most fulfilled by are like seasonal campaign works, which is what I do um, now at Bed Bath Beyond. So Target, there's a lot of different teams, a lot of different types of creative roles too. And I really just try to do dip my toes into everything um, to figure out what I liked and what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. So how long, how many years were you there, Rebecca? Three and a half. Okay. Nice. And then your last, as a lead art director, how many, how many people were you managing at that point under you? Um, I wasn't directly managing people. I would lead, you know, a campaign. So it would be, I would work with um, other designers. I would work with producers, stylists, create a photo team. Um, I would partner with marketing and business owners and um, merchants. So it was a lot of, um, I think you really need to be good at communicating across different audiences and different verticals. Um, you know, speak, be able to present your work and pitch your work to leadership, but also be able to um, understand what you need in order to get something done and know the right people to um, help you out in that sense. As an art director, there's a lot of speaking to different types of audiences, like being able to kind of have the logistics also in your head too. Obviously there's producers and stuff, but also to think, you know, that I think it helps to have that like logistical and organization background just so you can clearly communicate your ideas and everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Right. You're talking to so many different types of people too, right? There's the creative people, but then there's the business side of it. And the merchant is a totally different person than the photographer. And yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely different. I'm sure I've only worked in house. So I've learned a lot about corporate culture too. And that's a huge thing that people don't, as a creative, you kind of have to learn how to be, how to communicate in a corporate way and there's definitely um, like a cultural thing that comes with that territory. So with that, I would say, yeah, to have like your business hat on and it's not, you're not two-sided, but you're really just understanding the the space that you're in so that you can kind of get your ideas out there and solve the problem. So while you were there, you must've kind of created a little bit of a library, so to speak, maybe of creatives that you were working with on a regular basis, being the photographers and the stylists? Yeah. So we had a good rotation and Minneapolis is a really tight community too. So everybody knows each other um, and has probably worked with each other at some point. And um, so, yeah, we, I had worked with a number of photographers like on a regular basis. And then, you know, depending on their specialty, whether it was food or, you know, lifestyle, they all had different, we would, you know, use different photographers for different things. Yeah. In, in Minneapolis specifically, like there was a really specific um, rotation. Like I felt like there were, it was a very tight knit community and it kind of knew everybody knew everybody, which is great. And I'm sure it's the same way here in New York. I haven't been here long enough to fully understand, but um, yeah, I, I think for that, they were 
really good mentors for me too, which is like, I'm so grateful because in hindsight now I'm looking at, I'm like, you all trusted me to go and like have this idea. Like we're going to get, fill a, a pool with water and splash around. And you're just like, sure, let's do it. Like, I just think it's, um, kind of crazy <laughs> I think to, to allow like a 20, when I first started, I mean, it was 22 or 23 to just, I remember sitting in a young girl sitting in a pre-pro meeting and, you know, speaking to a room full of adults at the time. And I felt respected and it definitely empowered me to be a lot more confident about my ideas and to, um, just go after it. It was nerve wracking. Like, yeah, I felt like I was like proving myself in a way, but I ultimately the, the, the people that I did work with all were super respectful and trusting of me. And I think it's because of the safety that I had being associated with target. Like, I think there was um, a little bit of credibility. I'm really curious about, you know, as you mentioned, you started as like the, as an intern coming out of school with this graphic design background, what are some, and you mentioned like shadowing people on the job. And so I'm wondering, you know, when you were going back as a full-time person, did you see like leaps and bounds in your creativity, your work, the way you looked at things, uh, the way you understood things like that on hands learning? Can you talk a little bit about the skill sets that you or the tools you started to put into your, into your kit? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is process with, even with a graphic design background, no one really talked about the art direction process and what, and the roles and responsibilities of different people. Like I, I think when I first started as an art director, I was like planning and preparing the shot list thinking that I needed to do that, you know, like the order and the logistics thinking that I needed to solve all the problems, but really there are people there to help. And um, so I learned a lot about going through, I shadowed a lot of art directors when they went from step to step, from casting to location scouting, to um, planning, putting together a pre-pro and what type of information is relevant for, you know, your team, what type of stylist you need, what is a Wrangler, all of those things I had no idea and was just exposed to from shadowing different art directors, just, and offering to help out, offering to print their pre-pro decks and carry them and whatever it was, like I was there to just help and like shadow and learn different things. Um, So the process thing was big and understanding the roles and responsibilities is like the, probably the biggest thing that I learned. And then once I kind of understood how things work, I feel like I definitely got better at being able to make decisions on set. I think even as a, a, a female and a young female, when I first started, I was afraid to like speak up if something wasn't working on set, like a stylist put a, a different color or something that didn't work or something wasn't, the ribbon wasn't tied the way that I feel like it should work within the layout or whatever it was. And I would not say anything because I didn't want to hurt people's feelings. Then I would get to my creative review and my, my, my director would be like, what, why is it that you should have shot it this way? Or why didn't you say that this doesn't look good? And I was like, you know what? I need us just speak, be able to speak up and share what I feel like. So I, that was definitely a learning opportunity for me to be able to just communicate. It's not a personal thing. Like, oh, maybe we should try it this way. 
and just like suggest and not try to tell people exactly what to do, but kind of just kind of give a direction and um, be confident in giving that and speaking up when something isn't going to work. Because I have to, at the end of the day, deliver this as a, um, a design or whatever it might be. And if it's not there, like I have to, yeah, push people, I guess, in that way. So that was definitely another learning was being able to speak up and, you know, communicate your ideas if something's not working the way that you had intended it to be. Can you talk a little bit about learning how to put a pre-pro together and what that actually is for those that don't know? Sure. It's a shot list, as you all know. And in it, I would say I always like to give context to where this shot is going to exist. So if it's a photo of a Keurig machine, like where is this Keurig machine living? Does it, is it next to, um, is it going to be on the website? Is it going to be uh, next to other product? What is the color story? So I tend to give, at least in the pre-pro deck, like context of what is this campaign about? What's the main idea overall? You know, what are the sets that we're going to be using? What's the color stories? How casual or formal does this need to feel? All of those things, like a general look and feel. And then I go into the specific shot, I guess, direction and specific shot list. So the specs, what other types of um, ratios do we need to capture? And then I do sometimes put in some a little bit of like inspiration, like styling inspiration, or if it's models or we're using talent, like light scenarios, I think is good just to start off with like a list of scenarios to do. I'll have, I mean, I've always worked with retailers, so it's always been product focused. So like, like how hero does the product need to be in the shot? Like, can it be it's going to be used or is it really need to stand out? And then one of the things that as a designer, we think about our crops and negative space for type and text. So if you can plan for that in a shot, like maybe there's nothing on the wall behind me and I could put a price point there. So just really getting specific about the crops um, and the types and the overlays. So for that, um, I'll also include in there. Yeah, there's a lot of different pieces. I think you have to ha understand really organized. And that's something that I naturally love to do. Like I'm a planner. So I feel like as an art director, it's good to be able to organize all your thoughts, be able to consolidate and then work with a team to figure out like, what's the best way you feel like to shoot this? Cause I'm not the expert at that. Like I definitely rely on my partners to figure out how we're going to get this shot done. Are we dipping the phone in water or is water going to be poured on it? Like, at what time, you know, all of those logistics, I feel like I definitely, it's a working session in that pre-pro meeting that we have together. Yeah, usually after that, we would pick out if there was um, a set that needed to, or textures that we needed to pick out, I would look at samples um, and pick that out as well. But it depends on the shoe, the type of shoe, so... And are there any other people that touch the pre-pro? Like you mentioned that the art director might be putting this whole idea and the concepts and all the detail together and asking for input on maybe like logistics, but is there anyone else that the pre-pro really goes to, to, you know, add to, or give like significant input? Yeah, I'd say like, um, I would work with, depending on the scale and of the shoot, like, um, I had one location shoot in, it was for an outdoor campaign and I definitely, it was over the span of like a week. And so we needed to organize the shot list so that 
we were doing water on one day and grass and we had different locations to go to. So for that, I 100% lean on the producer um, and organizing like the shot list and the order of things um, would be something. But I'd say from on my usual work, it's really just me putting it together. And then we edit, like update the pre-pro as needed based off of like new information coming in, like where, um, what our location is or finalizing talent like once we do have that information. So I work with mostly the producer in developing that pre-pro deck, but really I'm like the sole owner, but I will get it approved by whoever your manager is at the time. They usually like to go look through and make sure it aligns with what the overall campaign is. So yeah, usually I share it with my manager. So right now I reporting to the creative director and then at Target, I was reporting it to associate creative directors and they were reviewing the pre-pros before going to um, the actual like pre-pro meeting with the team. It's awesome. Um, I love all the detail and the amount of work that goes into it because I don't think people understand that there is all of this stuff that happens before a shutter ever gets clicked. So I love that you kind of dug into all all of the bits there. Um, And speaking of the team and working with a producer, when you were at Target, did you work with similar producers? Like, was it similar teammates or was there, was it always ever changing depending on the line you worked on? Um, So it depends. At Target, we had in-house producers and we, they were focused on specific categories. So um, if I was doing a shoot that was focused on style or that required lifestyle, um, I would work with a specific producer. If I was doing toys, they would, there was a specific producer for different categories. So that's kind of how Target was structured. Um, I think the good, the pros to that were they, you know, we have to deal with samples and, you know, they know the point people for those, for those um, different categories. They are familiar with the merchants um, and the specific divisions, because that's how Target's really broken down is by those different categories. So we have such a large assortment of products. So, and I would work with pretty much the same four or five producers. If something was larger, we would bring in another, you know, producer. Um, but for the majority of like our business as usual work, we would have the same rotating producers for that creative producers. And was the, the photographer, were those people in-house as well at Target? No, they do have some, but for the the teams that I was working on, so stuff for promotional marketing and uh, the weekly ad and some seasonal campaign stuff, we would, no, they were not in-house. We would, we kind of had like a roster of, I guess, of photographers that we usually worked with and um, we would just see who would be a best fit for the project. And then does Target have its own studios that it does all its like set builds? Because some of those set builds are pretty insane for some of the commercials um is that also part of like the target world or is that all built you know in a third party um no that was also the target world we have our own studio and it's large and we've got all of our samples props there um but depending on the project we do do location shoots a lot and we would go to maybe other studios if there wasn't room yeah it, it, it was a mix of both but we do have our in-house studio and same with Bed Bath & Beyond. They have their own in-house studio too. Awesome. And what made you want to move from Target or I should say Minneapolis to New York or Target to Bed Bath & Beyond? Yeah, I think it was um, the, the role that I'm in now. I 
I couldn't say no to because it was something that I've been wanting to do. So I was an art doctor and designer at Target and um, the role that I'm in now, I'm actually a creative manager. And that is just something I've always, I felt like this is exactly where I needed to be. I need to be. I'm a people person. I respect and um, love the craft of design. However, at the end of the day, like I am there, like I'm the first to get up and give a presentation. Like you can count on me to really like empower um, other creatives and designers to do like their best work. So for that, I was, um, it was just an opportunity. Like I couldn't say no to, and I got, got to move to New York. So that was also pretty cool, <laughs> but it was in the middle of a pandemic. So it wasn't too easy to get here, but we made it. Yeah. So going from working with people in person to going fully remote and moving must've been kind of like a double impact. Yeah. So I moved, when I started with Bed Bath Beyond, I was fully remote too. And I didn't meet my team really until like a year in. Uh, So like we finally all went into the office and we do have like a physical office to go to, but I really wasn't able, and it was, it was hard because I wasn't sure if I had like a real connection. Like, I mean, we would see each other on the, on um, Zoom and stuff, but definitely I wanted to meet everybody in person and just once I did, I mean, the sense of relief that I had, like, okay, you know, we are one team, we're here, you know, people are present, and it was just great to have that personal connection. Um, so now I, I kind of go in, it's a little, it's a little hybrid, so I can go in when I want, and if we have a shoot, like, I'll go in, um, but we do have a specific photo team and different art directors for that, so I don't usually art direct as much as I did at Target anymore, unless there's a need like, oh, we need another art director to handle another project. But mostly my role is managing a team of designers and graphic design role. And then kind of giving some art direction to the photo team or to the art director team so that they know like the campaign look and feel and the branding. So I'm really more focused right now on the branding side and developing like the design and look and feel of campaigns. So talk about your management style. How do you like to be managed and how do you like to manage others? That's a good question. I would say I am very much, whenever I give feedback, if I do give feedback, it's meant to educate, not necessarily to like, not punish, but I don't know how, I don't have a better word, but um, it's really like, if I give a feedback, I want to explain why. So they really understand why I made that decision or why I feel like something should be a certain way because it's about learning and understanding. I feel like once you kind of understand why, then you might, you won't make that mistake again, or it's not even a mistake, but you you could, I think you could always improve. So like I was reviewing some work this morning and there was some text and it kind of was floating in this image it was a for a graphic banner. And um, my feedback was basically, let's think about the text and how it, like if we picture things on a grid, it should kind of feel a little bit more balanced if um, you put a grid on it and have uh, the text kind of align to some of the product. Um, like it, everything should kind of fit like a puzzle piece, like between the type and the image and the products in the image. So just thinking about, not necessarily saying it should be moved here, but 
think, think, think of, look at the um, banner as a grid and see where the type feels like it fits in um, on top of that grid instead of saying it should be moved here. So I don't like to say what to do or what the solution is, but really give them the tools for them to come up with the solution on their own. I guess just always leaving the floor for, you know, questions or comments. I always ask for when we have a brainstorm, like I'm the last to speak, <laughs> let, um, you know, people come with ideas to the table and not really get so nitty gritty about what something should like look like, but really just foster a culture that allows them to throw out ideas and to be curious and experiment and not worry about getting it right. So for me, that's kind of how I learned to manage because I don't think I was always that way too. So, yeah, I think that's hard um, because as an art director, I've been there <laughs> and, and having to bring the images back to the office, like you were saying, and make sure that it's how you had told them it was going to be and there's no surprises and having to stand up for that. It's not an easy job. Um, and it's very easy for people who aren't on set and dealing with the day-to-day -to, -day to understand that process. It's very easy for them to go, oh, I don't like that. That's not, you know, I had that a lot uh, with one client where it just felt like, you know, they'd say one thing in the pre-pro, you get them the images and then you come back and they're suddenly it's like, oh, I changed my mind. You know, like where you're sort of frustrated, right? And you want them to just, you should be on set then. Like you need to be in the day-to-day because -day it changes on set all the time, right? So learning how to manage that. And like you were saying, stand up and make sure that the image is what you promised the people back at the office is, is a feat in and of itself, I think. And then I like, what you're talking about on the managing side, because that too is, you know, you hire people for a certain skill set, And so as a manager, I think it's, it's always a challenge of you want to cultivate them in a way that their voice is coming through, but you're sort of overall, you know, having to be the brand, you know, and make sure it's still brand appropriate without being kind of like the, the boss of it all. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of like responsibility to deliver. And a lot of times you want to be like, fine, I'll just get my hands dirty. I'm going to just do it myself. And that's not, that's not how it's going to be. If it's going to be like, it's worth taking the time to, you know, explain something or um, maybe answer additional questions that they have. It's worth taking the time to mentor because in the end, now I'm at a point where I feel like I've been, you know, with this team for a long, a, a year now, um, I understand everybody's strengths and skill sets, and I know who's going to bring what to the table and that'll always evolve. But like now having, you know, they're very confident where if we're getting handed off, um, if a brief is being kicked off, they'll speak up and ask the questions that they need answers. And there's no filter um, really of me. And I feel like that is really important is for people to feel confident enough to share their ideas, have us be a sounding board. And um, really just like my role is just to like uplift 
and empower. And then if they have a question or they're dealing with a partner, like someone, you know, is telling them they need to do it. That's my job is to stand up and say, you know what, we're going to take this back to the team. We'll see if we have the bandwidth to handle this or whatever it is. Um, Kind of just be like the liaison between the different departments and um, leadership and getting the resources that we need to for like the team. But although I'm a creative manager, it's more, man, I'm doing more managing than I am doing actual like create, creative things, but I definitely still feel, feel fulfilled, like, um, you know, working with creatives all day and um, coming up with ideas and figuring out how to get them done and all of that. So it's just different. And is it still multiple lines, like similar to what you mentioned before for um, Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, they have soft goods and they have hard goods and they have a p- small appliances. Like, so is it still broken up into those little kind of sections or is it one big conglomerate of everything? It is one big conglomerate. And I would only say it's because the scale target is a big animal. Like as everybody knows, I mean, we have experts for everything and whereas Bed Bath is just a little bit more, um, it's smaller. Like I think our total creative team is maybe like 50, 40 people and that's including all designers across all channels everything and that's including the photo team too so it's just it's just a smaller group and so we don't have the specialty but also the space is different bed bath and beyond is all home goods so yeah we have soft goods and kitchen appliances all of that but we are still in the home space whereas target you had food style beauty toilet paper vacuums everything on on, on the planet so it it was yeah i think there's two one target was bigger and they had more product assortment, whereas definitely Bed Bath was more specialized, but it's also smaller as a team. So how do the campaigns work at Bed Bath & Beyond? Um, you were talking about how what really lights you up is kind of the seasonal things, you know, like where you worked on the back to college stuff. Is it similar at Bed Bath & Beyond where you're looking at seasonal content versus I would call it evergreen content? Yes, exactly that. So we do have... Um, monthly campaign. So like every month we have, um, maybe just a refresh where we just think about the season and how does this season of BAU. So like your evergreen work feel. And then we have obviously like bigger holidays and moments like holiday back to college. Um, all of those get a unique look and feel and brand. So marketing will kick off with a brief, and they'll explain, you know, the customer mindset, um, the product priorities and categories that we want to focus on, um, the messaging that we're going to communicate. Are we trying to, you know, inspire our customer this season? Are like, what is the goal and objective? And then, as the um, art director for seasonal campaigns, w- our team, our campaign design team, will translate that brief into a visual solution and visual look and feel. And we'll put a campaign deck together that has like a general look and feel with swipe and FPO photography. We'll think about textures for the season. We'll think about the style guide. What's our color palette? What type are we possibly introducing or playing with? The photo style, photo direction. It doesn't totally shift, but we do have, um, you know, different photo directions per season. The lighting kind of stays consistent. I think that's one of our things that we'd like to stay consistent regardless of the time of year or campaign. And then like any sets or environments that we want to explore for this time frame, just so that all of our photography kind of feels 
cohesive and the same in theme for that period of time or for that campaign. And then my team, well, the photography, then we hand that off and the photo team goes and uh, produces all the beautiful um, stuff and really makes it come to life. And then our, the design team that I manage, we create the style guides, um, the, you know, the web banners, the store graphics, some emails, um, social examples, just to show how the toolkit is working in conjunction with the photography. And then we unify together the photography and the graphic design elements. And that kind of is the, I guess, the pieces of the campaign. I'm not even speaking to the copy piece of it. There's a huge portion of the deck that's dedicated to copy and um, tone and voice and the architecture of our messaging. So that's also considered, but um, from the design and art direction piece, that is really what I mostly work on. It's cool because I'm not tied to one channel. Um, like we do digital and print, it's omni. So for that, I also really like about it because I'm thinking about the idea, not focusing on just like the particular asset. So I don't know how other companies are structured, but that's the way that Bed Bath is structured. And it's kind of similar to how I was at with Target. So yeah, I was kind of curious about that whole three, the, the idea of the 360 campaign, right? Where it goes, because Bed Bath & Beyond still does a lot of print uh, mailers. And I mean, most folks in the US would be very familiar with the coupon. So from like print to web to the app that they have, and then you mentioned video, how does video play into stills? Like, are you doing stills and video together? Are they kind of separate because you have an internal team? Can you talk a little bit about those two things and then how that comes into kind of a 360 design realm? Yeah, so I would say um, we create at the moment, our video, we are really shooting stills first. And then if we're like, we have an idea, like for example, there's gonna be a gingerbread house. Do we wanna make a stop motion animation? Like we're gonna shoot this gingerbread house because we need a beautiful shot of it for all of our channels, but maybe we wanna capture a stop motion animation of it being built, or we wanna do something fun for our social you know, requests, or maybe we want to make this a GIF in as a, as a hero banner on the webpage, or maybe it's going to go in our blog. So at the time, we are not necessarily shooting for specific assets. We're just kind of creating a lot of content, like capturing photography and video so that that can be used when the channels go into execution. They could pull, they have a library of videos and images to choose from for that campaign and use. Have you noticed any big shifts in like how those assets are used? Like, is there more advertising being pushed to the digital space, like, you know, YouTube ads or, you know, web ads versus kind of print, traditional print ads? Yeah, I think there's just in general a more focus on digital and we do consider like digital is like 80% of our assets go mostly used for digital. So that's for emails or web banners or social. And then um, we do have like some print pieces that come out, but really everything's being used for the digital space. I will say um, in terms of the way we're also presenting work too, and you'll see this probably across the board, we're now thinking mobile first for everything or app first for everything versus desktop in terms of design. 
like everything now we want people to experience on their phones and not necessarily, we're not, we're obviously considering that the design needs to be able to go on desktop. Um, but really mobile first is just how we're presenting work. And even sometimes in meetings, we'll like, we have a QR code that you can scan and actually see what we're designing real life on like on your phone when we're presenting to like leadership so they can actually see it in real life. It takes a little bit of effort, but that's, it's another way for that um, I found is really successful when you're presenting to people who don't, are not used to flexing their imagination skills, you know, really want to give them the expertise, like the experience of what it's actually going to look and feel like. So um, putting things in, you know, prototype, I feel like always helps in presentation. But that also gets back to your, what you talked about earlier, which is UX, UI design, right? So user experience. And um, and I think if you actually give people a prototype, then they get to, in, in a way, like touch and feel it, right? They get to see how it would interact. And then it might spark imagination for people to say, oh, well, what if we did X? Or what, you know, I didn't find that menu item. Like that wasn't obvious to me where maybe your team, it was really obvious. Especially when um, most majority of the time I'm presenting concepts. And that's the thing, that's the hardest thing is like, we don't have photography to show. Like I ha we have this idea, it's here. We can try to collect all the pieces and mock things up and um, you know, Photoshop a texture to show that we're gonna capture something like this. But we're really, we're selling ideas and things are not produced yet. And that's the most difficult thing is like, how do we get them on board? Like, trust us, this is gonna look this way. Um, you know, so it's a lot of Photoshopping and piecing things together and kind of being able to verbally also share what you're feeling. Cause it, it's not all there. Cause you still have to shoot, you know all the imagery and the assets and um, yeah, communicating it in a concise way. Cause you don't want to get too detail oriented. Like they don't, leadership does not need to know exactly which type of tile you're going to use for the backsplash of a kitchen shot. But really it's like, this is the overall feel um, and finding like, good imagery that reflects that and kind of piecing things together and photoshopping things if you need to give them as clear or as close as you can be to um, what that's going to look like. So, so you're now a year in, you've got, this, you've got some really great time under your belt. It sounds like you've built a really strong connection with your team. What is, it sounds like you're almost hitting your stride at this point. Like, what do you see on the horizon? What do you see on the horizon for you? I feel like, for now, I am definitely, now that I've been able to meet my team in person or meet the team and really be comfortable, understand the way things work, you know, it takes a, a while to um, understand who's who, um, how things are done. I've gone through a year or two of doing all of them, all the campaigns. So, you know, this year is really about innovation for me. And what's next is like, pushing the boundaries, like how can we really be innovative and bring fresh ideas and like kind of change and update, you know, give, give the, give the brand a face, facelift. <laughs> um, so for that, it's, I'm focusing now on just like pushing the creative a bit more in terms of like innovation. And that's, yeah. Cause now we have, we have our, um, one year, most of us on the team, 
you know, one year under our belt, we know how things work. We know the process. We know what to kind of expect, the things that we typically message. We understand the brand too. Like you're kind of masters of the brand now. Like how can we keep things fresh and innovate and bring new ideas? So that's definitely a struggle when things have been done. Like, you know how many holiday campaigns are? It's the same thing every year, but how can we keep it fresh and um, relevant? So that's the biggest, that's my focus for now. (laughs) That's awesome. As we wrap up, we always like to ask our guests, what's something that you wish you had known before you got into this career of yours? What's a, what's something, it could be a tip or it could be something you wish someone had told you um, that kind of you could share with everybody. Yeah, I would say the thing is now I feel like I've, I definitely have more learning to do, but I feel like I definitely have learned a lot. One of the things is kind of being your own number one fan and advocating for yourself. Like you've kind of realized like no one's going to do that for you. Like you are your number one advocate. So just knowing your worth and knowing how much you bring to the table and not trying to fit into a mold or try to imitate somebody else's style because you feel like that's what, what's going to happen. But really just, you know, you're skilled in X, Y, and Z. You have that experience just being really confident in who you are and what you bring to the table and just pushing your ideas. I think everybody wants the same things like a successful campaign or um, like beautiful work. So just being able to be confident in that and, and just go forth and not just do the expected. Nice. Cool. Rebecca, will you share with people where they can connect with you if they're interested in that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I, my handle is Shalloway Studio. And then I also have a personal page. If you want to follow me, it's Rebecca Shalloway. Um, my website is RebeccaShalloway.com. And then if you, if anyone wants to meet with me, I'm love Zoom. I've met with strangers over Zoom, especially over the pandemic. I would just totally DM people on Instagram saying, hi, I really like your work. And I would just meet with them. So I'm totally open to that. They can email me at hello at RebeccaShalloway.com. Nice. We appreciate that. And we really appreciate your time. It was great to hear your story. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at our next event, hopefully. Yes, I'm excited. Thank you both for having me. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We are FocusOnWomen.org. You can find us at FocusOnWomen.org. Make sure to reach out to Shelly or I if you'd like to be on the podcast or you have someone in mind that we should be talking to. Always looking for new people. We hope everyone stays safe and keeps their creative juices flowing.